0: Okay, so we are um, kind of taking a hiatus. We're going to take a hiatus from Proverbs. I'll come back to it. But um, I really feel, you know, very rarely do I feel impressed to go through a study. But there's a study that I want to go through that I think is, is important and so that's where we're headed but more on that later but right now what we're doing is we're closing out uh, temporarily the study in, in uh, Proverbs and um, the key um, verse that I'm uh, leaping off of here in our study is found in Proverbs chapter 30 verses 7 through 9 where the, uh, this godly man prays two things have I required of thee De- deny, deny me them not before I die Remove far from me vanity and lies, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Father in heaven, we come to to you now, Lord, and apparently, Lord, I'm going to need your help uh, this morning to get my my uh, thoughts um, uh, together and 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 just to to preach your word so i pray father for the filling of your spirit lord and and just help me uh, to work through this this muddle mess in my head i also pray father that uh, you would uh, be with my wife diane and uh, just help her to feel better lord and i pray for all the other folks in this church that are battling all sorts of different infirmities whether it's cancer or whatever is going on Uh, lord god we look to you as a great physician we look to you as our support and our refuge I pray father now as we look into your word that lord you would um, educate us and edify us lord and encourage us uh, father give us your wisdom So that we might be able to battle the lies uh, that the world is constantly throwing at us. We thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for your written word that you've given to us. And we thank you and praise you for your spirit that dwells within us. Thank you so much, Lord, uh, for caring so much about us. In Christ's name, amen. Alright, so we've been considering the prayer of this godly man. And I've titled this little thing, Deny Me Not. And um, I think what this man prays is, is pretty insightful. Uh, I mean, when you look at it on the surface, you know, he says, um, you know, keep me from vanities and lies. And, it, you know, you kind of just read over that stuff and not really consider, okay, what, what is he talking about here, vanities and lies? And so he's asking for God, you know, actually he's saying I, I require this of you and that's pretty strong uh, that's pretty strong language there uh, because he, he recognizes the these two matters are are essential they're very very important this is this is a serious serious prayer um, I think sometimes and I'm not getting on anybody's case I just know in my own case uh, sometimes I'm just not serious about what I pray about you know you just, Say it, and you're not really. You don't really take it seriously. And this man is taking this very seriously. And um, I think that lie that there is there is the issue with many of God's people. You know, they may be born again, praise God. They may believe the Bible is the very word of God. Good on them. Uh, they may attend church. They may serve in some capacity, at some level, they are involved in church, but. We have a tendency to become careless in our thought life. And uh, oftentimes we find ourselves, yeah, we'll be preaching this, but we won't be actually living what we're preaching, right? We're, we're not gonna, we're, we don't take it serious enough. Uh, and then sometimes uh, we don't make good judgment. Is that even proper English? You know, we don't we don't exercise good judgment about some of the decisions of the issues of our heart, and that's and that's what that's what gets us into trouble. And uh, you know, it really is easy for us who are members of a Bible believing church uh, to claim that God's word is the authority, right? You know, God's word is the authority in all matters of life and faith, but yet sometimes it's apparent that. You know, what we say isn't often manifested in, in how we think and how we view life and how we live and how we behave and, and even speak to others or about others. Uh, so we find ourselves often submitting to another authority, sometimes not even aware of it. Sometimes not even aware that we are submitting ourselves to another authority that goes contrary to God's authority and that's what these these vanities and lies are all about Uh, and this is the concern of this godly man of, of of Proverbs chapter 30 because he knows how easy it is for someone who is on the right path to end up becoming diverted and straying off that path who in here has strayed off the right path? yeah I have I think we all have at one point or another and if you haven't well then well then praise God that you never have praise God that you never have but that's what this that's what this uh, godly man is recognizing is I do not want to stray off of the path of the just I don't want to stray off of this path I want you I want you to keep me on this path as my guide in life and as you read through the book of Proverbs you can't cannot be but impressed on how important this is being stressed in the book of Proverbs. Uh, time and time again, the, the, the writer of Proverbs is encouraging his son, you know, stay on the straight and narrow. Uh, guard your character. Guard your character. You know, oftentimes we don't consider our character something worth guarding, do we? Honestly, who even gives a thought about one's character? Have you ever given a thought about your character at all? You know, what kind of person am I? What kind of person do I show myself to others to be? You know, so character is very, very important. And Proverbs is just full of characters, (laughs) isn't it? It's just full of characters. And this godly man is wanting, you know, he, he doesn't want these influences to shape his character. Because they all do. He wants God to be the shaper of his character. He wants God's word to be the shaper of his character. He doesn't want a warped character. And I've met some pretty warped characters in my time. So these influences uh, that shape the character of man, you know, they're out there. 24-7, unrelenting. They're out there preaching their lies. Preaching their lies he also is concerned about his legacy Proverbs 10.7 says the memory of the just is blessed but the name of the wicked shall rot one's legacy ever consider your legacy what you will leave behind when you pass from this scene you know where our legacy is, is, is mostly seen not in some monument. Kids. Kids friends. <coughs> coworkers. It's in our relationships. That's where our legacy is. It's in our relationships. How am I impacting another person's life with my life? That's what discipleship is all about, isn't it? One, sh- one life sharing life with another. You know, this is something else that a lot of people don't take into consideration. They don't realize uh, the responsibility they have to impact their generation so that their generation can impact the next generation, impact the next generation. We have a stewardship of relationships with other folks. And oftentimes we, we don't even consider this. We don't consider this. So what I love about this prayer, uh, this little simple prayer, is that this godly man sees the big picture of life. He sees the big picture of life. Uh, not like the scorner who never will. He'll never get it. Um, he's exercising good judgment. Unlike the fool who never will. Right. So he's 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 also um, he's also not reckless with his short time on earth like the slothful will do. So he's 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 really on it. He's really on top of things. And so what are these two things he requests? He says pretty much keep me on the right path throughout life and provide for the necessities of my life. Lord, just meet those two requirements. Just meet those two requirements. It's the same thing that we read in, in uh, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for my daily needs. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Keep me on the right path. Keep me on the right path. One addresses protections of one's life. Uh, Keep the heart with all diligence. The other one talks about provisions of life. Provisions of life. And so this is the godly man's prayer. Now, do you remember what I said a vanity was? A vanity is anyone or anything that we set a higher priority on than Jesus Christ. Anything else, anything, anyone outside of Jesus Christ, if if that's your priority in life, that's a vanity. That's a vanity. And there are many, many lies, as we've seen as we've gone through this, that support those various vanities. That support those various vanities. And we see this all beginning back in Genesis 3.1. says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And here it comes. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God hath doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as God's. The lie is you can't trust what God's telling you. And the vanity is, is you are your own God. It's your life. You live it however you want to live it. Isn't that what we hear all the time? That's what we hear all the time. So we've looked at human, the vanity of human wisdom, and labor, and purpose, and rivalry, avarice, fame, and insatiate. That's a tough word. Now we're going to look at human coveting. Human coveting. Uh, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. And uh, when someone gets to Ecclesiastes chapter 6, uh, go ahead and um, read it. Start one. No, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 6 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay, so uh, better is the, is, the, is the sight of the eyes and the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, if you're starting to catch on, you know, a lot of these things are linked, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're all linked together. They're, like a, they're like, a, like a ponderous, heavy chain that keeps you tied to the world. That's the purpose of these vanities, these human vanities. They want to, the, the enemy wants to keep man tied to the world. The, he, he, he blinds their, uh, their minds to misdirect them uh, from the truth in order to enslave their souls, keep their, keep their mind and their eyes and their affections chained to this old world. That's the whole intent of these vanities. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 4 4 says in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them lies always promise something that people will never get lies will always promise what people will never receive and these lies these human vanities are designed to take your eyes off of heaven and keep them riveted on the world Psalm 73 9 says they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth because that's what's important that's what's important these vanities all have the same purpose and that's to deceive men and setting their affections on the things of the earth and not on the things of heaven and it does a very good job It does a very good job. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why is the love of the Father not in them? Because the love of the world fills their hearts. It's that system of human vanities that is consistently enhanced and consistently displayed and consistently preached about to mankind all the time and so therefore they never come to know the truth and therefore they never come to know true love because their heart is so full of love for the world again this is that wisdom that is from below that we looked at right James three fifteen: this wisdom descendeth not from above but is earthly sensual devilish it 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 appeals to the senses. It appeals to the to, to the mind of fallen man, or even to the carnal believer, and it's devilish. That's the source. Uh, he's not called the Father of Lies for no for no reason. He is extremely clever, and his lies sound very good he knows what he's doing and as long as the father of lies can continue to convince men to love the world then he knows that they will never come to know the love of the father keep them busy in the world keep their eyes focused on the world keep them chained to the world And one of the ways, I think one of the best ways he does it is through the vanity of human coveting. This wandering of the desire. This never satisfied lust of the eyes that gets people entrapped in this human coveting. It's the old lie. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. You know, I remember going out with uh, Barry on visitation a few times and you know, wherever there was cattle, inevitably you always saw a cow sticking its head through the barbed wire fence, eating the grass on the other side of the fence. Even though it's surrounded by grass, for some reason in the cow's mind, that grass through that barbed wire fence is is better. This people, people are the same way. People are always sticking their heads through barbed wire fences. And if they manage to jump the fence, guess what they discover? There's still another barbed wire fence with greener grass. It just never ends. It just never ends. Exodus 20:17 says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And that's the first mention of the word covet. Deuteronomy five twenty one says, "Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife; neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's." You know, here we see the word desire, here we see the word covet, uh, and we also see the word desire. It's the same Hebrew word it's the same Hebrew word covet and desire you see the Lord wants us to see that to covet is to yearn after something, to desire something that another possesses to long after, to lust for something that somebody else owns or somebody else has we see the human vanity of rivalry in this, we see it of envy we see it of avarice. We see all of those things at, at play. What we don't see is love and fidelity and contentment. A covetous person is never content. Never content. Micah 2.1 says, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds when they when the morning is light they practice it because it is in the power of their hand and they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away so they oppress a man in his house even a man and his heritage and the word heritage i looked that up it doesn't it not only means a man's stuff you know his inheritance his stuff but it also means another man's reputation or another man's legacy or another man's testimony. Coveting another man's reputation. Dwight D. Eisenhower said, every gun that is made, every worship launched, every rocket fired signifies in the final sense A theft from those who hunger and are not fed. Those who are cold and are not clothed. Nothing good ever comes out of coveting. Nothing good ever comes out of this human vanity of coveting. Men desire what other men possess. Whether it's material or positional or status or whatever it is. And and more often than not probably 99.9% of the time there's always some evil perpetrated against the person that they you know they covet or even the person that covets nothing nothing good nothing good and i think we kind of all understand uh, what it is to covet i think i know i I've, I've coveted a few things in my time you know, I have. And I'm sure you folks have too. And I'm not going to ask everybody to stand up and give a testimonial about that. But I think we all can appreciate this coveting. Uh, but um, this coveting is only the, the fruit of the root of the real issue of the heart. There's, there's, there's more to all of this than meets the eye. Um turn to Proverbs chapter six. Turn to Proverbs chapter six and verse 16. This is God's hate list. Well, I thought God was a God of love. Well he is, but there are certain things because of his love he hates. Proverbs 6.16 what's it it say here? He says these six things that the Lord hate yea seven are an abomination unto him. What's at the very top of the list? A proud look. A proud look is at the very top of the list. I believe closely associated with coveting in fact closely associated with all of these things here is Pride. Pride. Uh, pride is behind all of these human vanities and that's number one in God's hate list is pride if there is a character quality about one of his children that God is not proud of it's a proud look it's a proud look to be high minded anybody ever hear that word high minded that's to be puffed up by a high opinion of yourself to be haughty or, or, or conceited. Romans twelve sixteen says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend the men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. There's an old Indian proverb. The only reason why I know this is because I, I, I read a lot of Western <laughs> books and Western histories. You know, that, that just fascinates. Anyway, there's an old Indian proverb addressing a brave who was proud about his achievements, and it was said that he was raising smoke. He was raising smoke. In other words, he's drawing attention to himself. Raising smoke, drawing attention to himself. But like smoke, pride will dissipate in the wind of truth. Right? It's just smoke. Always oh, just blowing smoke. Right, just smoke. Now Isaiah four. Turn to Isaiah fourteen. I know you guys are familiar with these passages, but it's good to be reminded. Isaiah fourteen speaks of a creature that, due to his pride, who was raising smoke because of pride, he coveted something. Romans fourteen verse twelve. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What's the key pronoun here in this? Yeah. I will be like the Most High. Isn't that the very same promise that he deceived Eve by? Ye shall be as gods. Ye shall be as gods. Huh? Ye shall be as gods. He says, Your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Your eyes shall be opened. This is nothing short of coveting enlightenment outside of God's truth in order to prove yourself equal to or even better than God. That is exactly what your scientists are striving to do. That is that ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth that Paul writes about in 2 Timothy 3.7. And when Paul speaks of these individuals, he also calls them heady and high minded. Heady means reckless, and high minded means puffed up. And that is the purpose of all of these human vanities. And this is what the godly man of Proverbs is praying for God to protect him from. And he said, I don't want to be reckless with my life, I don't want to be high minded. I don't want to be duped by the pride that I know that dwells in my own heart and causes me to covet. That's why he asked for, just provide me with my daily bread. Right? Give me what I need so that I will be content. But so many of us are not content so many of us are just simply not content in the book of Job Job chapter 41 he talks about a creature called Leviathan and if you read that chapter God is describing this Leviathan that was, that's quite a creature that's a creature you don't want to mess with quite a creature And when you cross-reference the Bible about this creature, in Psalm 74, 14, it says, Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces. Heads. Plural. He's got more than one head. Psalms 104, 26 says, There go the ships, there is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. This creature is associated with ships and ships are used for trade and commerce so he's associated with commerce Isaiah 27 1 in that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan the piercing serpent even Leviathan that crooked serpent and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea hmm I wonder who he's talking about here a day is coming when the Lord shall slay this Leviathan, this piercing serpent, that crooked serpent and dragon associated with the sea. Can you think of a place in the Bible that this creature also shows up? Revelations 13, 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, multiple heads. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy, verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Leviathan. Clearly he's more than just some fantastic earthly creature. There's more to this Creature. This creature filled with pride and covetousness who covets the very throne of the Most High. That, you can't get any more audacious than that. I mean, is it any wonder that Paul associates covetousness with idolatry? With idolatry. Again, something that's being elevated above God something being elevated about so why in the world am I even talking about this Proverbs uh, Job 41 34 says he beholdeth all high things he is a king over the children of pride he's behind all of this human vanity and behind all this human vanity is Pride. Pride of human wisdom, pride of human labor, pride of human purpose, pride of human rivalry, pride of human avarice, pride of human fame, prime of never being satisfied, and in pride of coveting. Pride of coveting. You know, Jeff I didn't say in proverb somewhere maybe, uh, But for pride, contingency. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the cause of contention. If it was fried yeah. it would seem so. Yeah. So I believe a a very strong argument from scripture can be made that the root of this wandering desire, the root of this coveting mentioned here in Ecclesiastes Excusiast, <laughs> six nine, say that fast five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, is 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 pride in our hearts a high-minded attitude that audaciously claims something that belongs to Pam for myself, or something that belongs to Diana that I I want that I want I want that 1 Thessalonians um, two. Verses 4 through 6 But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. The word cloak speaks of a pretense. A pretense, a, a, a pretended cause, a showy display of something or trying to portray yourself as somebody you're not. He says we didn't show, you know, we didn't have a cloak of covetousness. Our our um, motives were pure. Our motives were selfless, is what he's saying. But is that true of everybody? Can we honestly say that's true of everyone? Can we honestly say that's true of us? That my motive is selfless? When you wear this cloak of covetousness, you're, you're putting on this show to, to obtain something that you greedily desire and there are those who do that there are those who seek for glory this remember the human vanity of fame they seek, uh, they seek for glory they, they covet to stand out above their brothers and sisters in the Lord they desire for people to praise them so what do they do they put on this pretense this cloak of covetousness They brag about their service, they bring glory to themselves, and they'll include God in that too. But really behind it all, what, they're, what they covet is the praise of men. John 12, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And what is, the, the, what is at the root of this Particular manifestation of covetous thing, uh, covetousness, this, this desiring the praise of man. What, what is what is really at the root of all of that? Pride. You want to be thought of as a somebody or a something. Hebrews thirteen five says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness." And be content with such things as you have. See, that's the problem with a lot of folks. They're not content with what God has provided them or the position that God has placed them. Or they're just simply not content. Remember Achan of Joshua 7.21? when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight he says then I coveted them and took them and behold they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it and what happened because of that well it cost him everything but what happened prior to that it cost the death of some of his own brothers when they went to take, I think it was the city of Ai, which was just a little tiny burg. And they got routed. You know, there are men and women who claim to be servants of God, yet, due to their lifestyles of covetousness and luxury and extravagance, they have brought much trouble to the ministry and much shame to the name of Jesus Christ. They live in these mega mansions, pastor these mega churches, they drive these ridiculously luxurious cars. And when people look at that, when lost look at that, is that bringing glory to God? No, they preach a covetous message to a covetous congregation that has itching ears. Now we know in the in the Bible the word conversation means what? Yeah, your walk. Your lifestyle. It can talk. it means, you know, speaking, but it, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's how you carry yourself through life. When somebody sees you and and they observe you and watch you and they they see you know, well, Mitch is a pretty faithful guy. He's pretty well. That's his walk. That's his conversation. That's his walk. We 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 want to walk. We want to be. Well, let's see here. How, how am I going to word this? We want to walk when people look at us. Or they watch us, or they observe us, that they glorify God rather than you. Does that make sense? You know, uh, well, at Matt, he is a godly man, right? He, you know, he really loves the Lord. See that? That type of thing. Yeah, they're mentioning Matt, but who are they crediting? The Lord. The Lord. Boy, he's come a long way. He's really grown in the Lord. Right? God gets the credit. Not that person. Not that person. Also, with this uh, passage in Hebrews there's, there's, there's some of God's people who live lives of perpetual discontent <laughs> they, they live lives of dissatisfaction they're always coveting this or they're always coveting that uh, wanting to obtain what somebody else has right um They live anxious lives, always fretting, always worrying, always coveting. They never have any kind of peace of mind. They don't know anything about the peace which passes all understanding. You know, they've never really come to the place in their life that they've learned that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man will do unto me. They're always fretting. Paul said in in uh, Philippians 4:11 through 13, not that I speak in the respect of want, for I have learned in what service state I am therewith to be content. Contentment is a learned behavior, because by nature we are not a content people. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. So that means, you know what? You see the two extremes. They're both needful in the school of contentment. In everywhere and all things I am instructed, instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Here's the key. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Contentment in the Lord is is one of the many benefits of trusting in the Lord with all thine heart and leading not into thine own understanding. So many folks waste their time coveting the blessings of others and they don't take the time to count their own blessings. <laughs> you know? They just don't Oh if only I had what so and so had. If oh if if only if only I had what she had or You know, also something else about um, coveting other people's blessings. Um, People like that, they also don't consider that what may appear to be a blessing for, let's say, uh, you know, uh, 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 Kelly may not necessarily be a blessing for Jeff. It may end up being a curse. (laughs) You know, I knew a gal who uh, desired a particular position for her husband and the whole reason why she desired this particular person for her husband because she wanted to be part of a certain social group that was her, you know, she coveted to be in the in crowd what she thought was the in crowd so she goaded her husband she politicked on his behalf to the right people And eventually, uh, her efforts brought about her husband being promoted into the position that she coveted. All right, I got what I wanted. Nope. In obtaining what she coveted, she lost her husband. She ended up losing her husband. Uh, More responsibility because of his position meant less time with her husband. Right? Less time with her husband. This resulted in a, in a this is true story, this resulted in her be, having a, 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 a bitter spirit. And that bitter spirit affected her relationship with that specific social circle. So everything that this gal coveted became a cursing became a cursing. Nothing nothing good comes from this vanity of human coveting. What she thought would bring her joy resulted in only making her miserable. Only made her miserable. Again, the truth that counteracts the lie, Luke 12, 15, he said unto them, take heed. Like this man in Proverbs 30, you know, keep your head on your shoulders be alert, take heed and beware of covetousness beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses beware of it folks, beware of it we're all susceptible to covetousness in one degree or another over one thing or another Something else, you know, just like with this gal that I, that I knew, uh, oftentimes, you know, gaining what you covet uh, can't be enjoyed once you obtain it. Uh, at times when somebody gains what they covet, they end up despising what they covet. You remember the story of Amnon and Tamar? Let me remind you. Amnon uh, was infatuated with Absalom's beautiful sister named Tamar. She was a knockout. And uh, his heart went after her. And in 2 Samuel thirteen fourteen, he says, Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice. What did he do? He arranged it, one of his buddies arranged it to where he and Tamar could be by themselves, and he forced himself on her and raped her. And it says here in verse 15 of 2 Samuel 13 Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. So that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. He really never loved this gal. He coveted, but he never loved her. When he finally cornered her alone and raped her, he ended up despising her and tossed her out like she was trash. And that's what happens. Nothing ever good comes out of coveting. Human coveting. Proverbs 20.17 says, The bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Um, Next time you covet something, grab a handful of gravel and just toss it in your mouth. (laughs) Because that's where you're going to end up. That's where you're going to end up. Covetousness is indeed a vexation of the Spirit. It's one of those human vanities that carries with it a lie that never fulfills what it promises. That's human coveting. Now let me ask you this question. I said 99.9% of the time. Is it wrong to covet? Not everything. Not everything. Right we're talking about the vanity of human coveting but there is a coveting, believe it or not that the Bible encourages there is a coveting the Bible encourages 1 Corinthians 12 31 says but covet earnestly the best gifts yet I show on to you a more excellent way you know God gives the body gifts These gifts are not to be used for my glory or your glory, but for the glory of God and for the benefit of the church. And if you are to covet anything, covet a gift that's going to benefit the church and exercise that gift for the benefit of the church. But yet even Paul goes on and he says, even though you covet those best gifts, he says, I show you a better way. And what is that better way? Well, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the word called charity. Love. Love. He says, you know, you could speak with the the language of angels, you could have faith to remove mountains, you could give your body to be burned, but if you don't have charity, guess what all of that is? It's a big fat zero. It's vanity. He says, yes, desire the best gifts, but if you really want to covet something, you covet a heart of charity. heart of charity. You know, the word covet has a lot of different meanings to it. Uh, It means to burn with zeal. If one burns with zeal, don't burn in zeal for what another man possesses, but burn in zeal to provide for what another man needs. Colossians 4.12 Epaphras who is one of you a servant of Christ salutes you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God for I bear him record that he hath great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Here's a man who who had great zeal for the benefits of his brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're going to burn In zeal, you burn in zeal for the benefit of others. Covenant also means to earnestly pursue. Instead of earnestly pursuing that position or office or accolade in the church, pursue to keep the unity of the body and the peace of the church. I mean, when you've got a lot of folks coveting things, there's not going to be any peace in the church. Just like James pointed out, man, if there's pride in the church, what's going to be there? Contention and strife and bickering and arguing and all this competition. Paul says in 1 Peter 3 8, finally be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it that means pursue it if you're going to pursue anything in life, pursue to keep peace in the body coveting also means to busy oneself about a matter there is so much busyness (laughs) going on in the power of the flesh so much busyness in the power of the flesh, for the purpose of serving oneself and the purpose of glorying in one's flesh, in one's service. Paul said in Second Thessalonians three eleven, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now then that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. If we're going to be busy, then be busy for the sake of the gospel. But don't brag about it. Don't boast about it. Do your reasonable service unto the Lord. Coveting also means to strive after, to strive after. There's so much striving in the church. But to what end? To what purpose? Romans fifteen thirty says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. If we must strive, let's strive together. Let's strive together in prayers, let's strive together in service. Let's strive together in unity to present the gospel, live the gospel. Paul says, "Yet I show unto you a, a more excellent way. Charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. If we are to covet anything, let us covet a heart of charity. A heart of charity for one another. A heart of charity for the Lord Jesus Christ. A heart of charity for the loss. If we're to covet anything, let's cover a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. If you want to covet anything... Covet a deeper, closer relationship with Jesus Christ, manifested by our charity for one another. If you want to covet anything, covet that. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, that it challenges us, that it reveals to us, it rebukes us, Lord. That, Father in heaven, it just simply shows us where we're at. But also, Father, it also provides for us the cure, the solution the way to go and we thank you so much for your wisdom may we like this man in proverbs uh, pray uh, that you would keep us from these vanities that we face in life and that father in heaven we would be true to you and that you would shape our character so that we would display christ to others we thank you and praise you in christ's name amen